0: Are you a sports fan who didn't know the NFL draft was this week? Then boy, do I have the teaser trailer for you. I'm Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show every week with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We're doing mock drafts before the draft. We're grading picks after the
1: draft. Now, do we know which picks were good and who's going to go where? No, absolutely not. We can't predict the future.
0: But people like hearing about it. Yeah, don't you, you sickos? So we talk about it anyway. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show, and guess what? If you like the draft, but you don't like me, you can go listen to the Ringer NFL Show with Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati and our other NFL experts. Or you can go to nfldraft.theringer.com to check out our massive draft guide. So come listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show and the Ringer NFL Show on Spotify, because they employ me, or it's also available on all the other platforms that don't employ me.
2: It's the Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel.
0: Weekends with Waz on the Ringer NBA Podcast Network. I'm joined by a very esteemed guest, uh, formerly of the Spurs, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Australian national team. Uh, You can find his his work in in Bleacher Report. Uh, One more thing on Twitter. He's on Twitch. This man is a multimedia maven. Uh, My man... (laughs) Mo Doc Hill was popping, man. What is up, Waz? I'm shocked they gave you a weekend show. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> they, they, they didn't get the memo about my life, bro. Yeah. They didn't. Think, they didn't check the stories. I don't, I don't think they got the memo about what it is I do on the weekends. Working ain't supposed to be on that docket, but here we are. Uh, really excited to talk to you today, man. Um, definitely want to get into the Grizz, uh. Minnesota series, because to me, that's the most interesting series we got left um, now, uh, because just, you know, two really young, talented teams. Figuring it out. (laughs) They're (laughs) figuring it out, but it's still fun. But, man, you know, we got to start off with the Celtics and Nets series. Brooklyn is done. They're finished. (laughs) Uh, They went down 3-0 yesterday. Uh, they, They basically... It looked, it looked like a team that that had resigned itself to, this is over. We're not going to be able to pull this one out. Um, and yeah, the season is over. The weirdest, craziest NBA season from an individual team standpoint that I can remember, where you got a guy who's not playing because of vaccine refusal. You got a guy, a superstar requesting a trade. You get another alleged star back in the trade. Who never plays for you, um, pops up with a mysterious injury. It's just just a crazy turn of events this whole season, Mo. Um, what do you think was ultimately their undoing against Boston in particular? I mean,
1: against Boston, it's just a matter of the constant pressure the Boston Celtics defense puts on them, mm-hmm. but also the lack of continuity to really build an offense. You know, um, you know me wise, I'm an X's and O's nerd. And there's no other way to describe it. There's probably not even a big enough word to describe how much of a nerd I am on that stuff. There isn't any to watch when you watch Brooklyn. Like it was funny. It took two and a half games for them to run a one, four flat to get KD some space. Like (laughs) that was, I mean, it was, it was a simple adjustment. It was sitting there the whole time and it took two and a half games. And the real issue is this just shows you how much the regular season matters, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. KD and Kyrie unbelievable stars we think. Yeah, no problem. We always think it's plug and play. They had no chance at any point to really build an offense and build create continuity. So that they have an understanding of what to do. You know, it's it's and it's not just Kyrie's vaccine hesitation and everything with that was a big blow, but also KD missing a lot of time. Yep. Right? So even in the games that Kyrie was playing on the road, there were games where KD wasn't because he was out. So there's no way to really build that sort of Offensive system of like, this is what we're going to go to down the stretch. And you saw it in game two, you know, it game one, Kyrie goes completely off in the fourth quarter until he goes into ego ball, trying to get the dagger and that, that backfired in his face. And then you have the situation where game two. The offense in the fourth quarter just completely fell apart and became one-on-one, and that, that's like Boston just going, like, come right to my hands, baby. Let's go. We got enough defenders. We got you covered. And that's with Robert Williams sitting on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, man. What, what What struck me watching the game yesterday is without Joe Harris, without Ben Simmons, those are big, big losses to not bring to a playoff series against a team the caliber of what Boston is. Um, how unbalanced the roster is, right? Uh, what what I saw happen yesterday, especially when Jalen Brown in the second half decided that I'm going to live in the paint. Like, it was a team that discovered, like, wait, their wing and guard rotation is who? You're right. Who? They finally figured it out in the second half of game three that Brooklyn just cannot guard on the perimeter with any consistency whatsoever. And you contrast that To what Boston is throwing in the direction of KD and Kyrie in the forms of Tatum, Brown, uh, you know, uh, the defensive player of the year. You know, like, they're just throwing waves of incredible defensive talent at Brooklyn. And Brooklyn just had no answer for what they were trying to do on the perimeter yesterday. And it was just like, again, it was just like four straight possessions of Jalen Brown just putting his head down like, nope, getting to the cup. Get into the cup. Sorry, Good. Patty Mills. Get off of me. Goran Dragic. Get out of here. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Get out of here. Seth Curry. Like you're not guarding me. Bye. I mean,
1: it, 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 just look at their starting lineup, right? In their starting lineup, they're starting six-two. Kyrie Irving. And I'm looking at this right now. <laughs> That's six, a generous, two. by the way. Well, all of this is very generous, lot, as <laughs> I'm getting through this. Seth Curry, six-two. Yeah. Bruce Brown 6'4. That's listed, by the way. If Bruce Brown's <laughs> 6'4, I'm 6'1. That's it. That's we're changing my license, all of <laughs> that. I'm 6'1 if Bruce Brown's 6'4. Let's measure it up and see what happens. 6'1
0: is going into Mo's Raya, y'all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> and then you're bringing off the bench Goran Dragic 6'3. You know, mm-hmm. then you're, you're bringing Patty Mills 6'1. Like, you, that's that's the size you're bringing off the bench and you're not really getting anything. Part of it was they didn't go into the season with this kind of an unbalanced roster, right? Losing Joe Harris, like a lot of average fans may not know who he is, but just besides sharpshooting, just having a 6'6 six, six guy on the court helps, yeah. right?
0: In a game of length. That's not like miss They also miss Jeff Green, who was big for them playing stretch five last year. Like, all of
1: that stuff, you know? And, and you even saw just the, the minute and a half that Blake Griffin had left in him (laughs) you know you but you saw the difference right he's playing well he was adding a little bit of length he kept Jalen Brown out of the paint for like two possessions yeah you know resistance yeah just just but just again a little bit more size and that's the stuff they missed so having that on the you know him barely playing in the series having Joe Harris out the, the, the balance of the roster I mean it totally got derailed with the the whole situation with James Harden, which I think only happens because Kyrie refused to take the vaccine mm. and led to all these issues, it it just collapsed on them. You know, so then when you make the trade, you're trading James Harden, who's also a pretty big dude, yep. you know, questionable how big, depending on what time of the season it is <laughs> right. and what shape he's in. But, you know, and you're bringing in another small guard. And I think that just put them in such a disadvantage where, you know, I was looking at every time I was trying to figure out, like, OK, how are they going to defend? Because like I said, like the nerd I am, all right, they're not going to defend. That was just my result. At the end of it was just there's no way they can play defense, and they're just going to yeah. have to outscore everybody, and if they slow down, they're screwed.
0: And they kind of held up the first two games, but again, I think Boston finally realized what their advantages were, and they exploited them. And the problem if you're Brooklyn, it's like that's the beauty of a playoff series, right, where people are like, oh, they stole a the game. What that means is that when you play a team six, seven times – There are things, some of your weaknesses, that they're not going to be able to pick up on in the first two games. And you might be able to steal one because of that fact, right? And Brooklyn just couldn't manage to pull it through. And now the Celtics are clearly the better team. Clearly more. uh, And I think Time Lord in his minutes, like, just the, the raw athleticism that he brings on defense where it's like... Even if, by the grace of God, you do get past Jason Tatum, who at times had KD had in a straitjacket. At times. Um, <laughs> I felt like KD, at, at,
1: at times KD got through. I felt like it was more often than not he was locked up.
0: So, but for the grace of God, you get through that gauntlet on the perimeter, and your gift at the cup is time, Lord. Smashing everything and gobbling everything up. They just looked incredible um, when they're, clicking on all things defense, but I do want to concentrate on the Tatum thing because you know, Mo, I've I've been, I don't want to say a Jason Tatum skeptic, but definitely a Jason Tatum pump the brakes, guys, like superstar this, like, you know what superstars do? You know, like, you know what they do to elevate teammates? You know what they're doing on defense to influence the outcomes? Like, do you understand what a superstar actually does on a night-to-night basis? Slow it down, but man, if you're guarding Kevin Durant on an island, For the majority of these possessions, and you are doing as good a job as anybody I've seen since Tony Allen, damn near 10 years ago, I got to tip my hat to this guy. Um, And it's it's just phenomenal what he's done this series on that end.
1: I, I have an article dropping on Bleacher later, and if the uh, editors might edit it out because it's probably too uh, unlike me to write something pretty. But just the <laughs> comment of like, this is like watching a caterpillar emerge from a cocoon and see yeah. a butterfly. The way we're watching Jason Tatum emerge and step up in a way where it's like he's doing it on both ends of the court. Go look at his numbers from game two. He shot it really poorly in that game. Still had 10 assists. Didn't affect his defense. And we've seen it from a lot of young guys where, hey, I don't have it going on offense. You know, you start to see their defense struggle and all of those things and, and start to kind of not necessarily have it all the way. For him, it didn't mean anything. He ramped it up and kept going and continued to go on. I was with you, was early in his career, like, okay, we're just handing this stuff out now. Yeah. But no, he's earned it. Right now, like, and it's, and to be honest, there were shades of this as early as 2020, you know, before the pandemic hit. There was a game against the Lakers in LA where he stood toe to toe with LeBron. They ultimately lose the game, but there were possessions where he took LeBron one on one. There was a game heading into that All Star break. I remember it clearly against the Clippers, and he was guarding Kawhi one on one and was doing a good job. So I was like, okay, it's there. How often will we see it and whatnot? And now we're watching this now, and I'm, I couldn't be happier. This dude's turning into a full on, NBA player. I hate the term two-way player
0: because this isn't this isn't
1: football. Two-way player is means you play offensive, <laughs> defense and defense in football, and in basketball, it's called a basketball player because you're supposed to play both freaking sides of the court. Exactly. So you know, I I prefer calling other guys one-way players. He's turning into a well-rounded, full-on NBA player, and not just that, an actual superstar.
0: Yeah, it's it's yesterday really crystallized that for me when you contrasted it, and I think. Because I do want to get into the, the, I guess, the game plan strategy of it all. And the reason why I picked Boston to win this series, and I thought that they would do it quite comfortably, was that they had good answers for Brooklyn's strengths, right? Meaning Kyrie and KD being two of the best one-on-one players in the game, the Boston Celtics could make that difficult. Meaning if that's... All you are um, subsisting on offensively, that's the only way you're going to generate buckets, is these guys being wearing capes one-on-one for the entirety of a game, the entirety of a series against this level of defense. Give me that all day. Um, Because I don't care how great KD is, how great Kyrie is, that takes a toll. Like, the idea that the lift is going to be dribble, 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 create some space, you know, rise above some of the lankiest dudes in the I mean, NBA. Like it's this is a this is a big ask and that that was their basic strategy. Um you know it, it begs the question of the job Steve Nash has done. I'm somebody who's actually been kind of bullish on Nash cuz just thinking about the job of of managing these types of personalities Uh, I don't envy him. (laughs) Let's just put it like that. (laughs) But you do have, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You got a talented roster, so a lot is going to be expected of you. What do you think about what what, um, Nash did? I know one thing that pissed me off, and I'm not the first person to say this, the drumming minutes. I mean, can we just... Park that dude. He's, he he does nothing for you. He, he really is not doing it. It's not like he, he gets all his credit for being a great rebounder. Their rebounding numbers are never affected by this guy being on the actual court. Not his personal rebounding stats. The Nets, how often they corral a rebound is not affected by having Drummond out there. I don't understand what he brings to the table. That was my main Nash gripe, but people have had others. What'd you think about what Nash did in this series?
1: First, I'm still caught off guard by a Marvel movie reference with, you know, great power comes great responsibility. From Is that a Marvel
0: thing? Yeah, Um, yeah, a little Spider-Man thing. I'm shocked. I I I don't know what to do. I thought it was karate or something. I think the roof is falling. Like, I'm a little (laughs) bit concerned now. I have some concerns
1: from that. But more importantly, like... It's funny because, like, when Nash got the job, everybody immediately great hire. I was like, yo, he's never coached a game. Like, that's not an easy thing to just step into. And you're right. This was not an easy job to walk into. And this season, even more so. Just all the personalities you got to deal with and dodge and work around with. You know, I think the, the drumming thing's a big one there. And you saw it. What was he doing? There are opportunities to grab rebounds and he's tapping the ball out. And guess what? It ends up right in the Celtics hands. And that's a bucket. <laughs> you know, you're giving up another opportunity there and things like that. I thought Nick Claxton has been great. I feel like he gets underutilized a lot Same. with this team. I feel like he should be starting. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're going to play Drummond to replace Claxton, it's going to be short, short minutes. You know, and I understand the need of like, yo, we need size. We need that a little bit and and so on. And there are times where Drummond can be helpful. But not heavy minutes, not a starter, you know, and, and just everything, you know, as we talked about, like there's no offensive game plan for two seasons now. I haven't seen anything. It's just roll out the balls. You guys figure it out on offense, you know, but at the mm-hmm. same time, there just hasn't been a lot of great defensive planning to go with it. You know, like just put it this way, Peyton Pritchard's on the court and whenever he's on the court, they're not able to attack him. Yeah, And part of that is, and again, we have to give credit
0: to Boston. Some of it is some great jobs of switching him out. I love when they do the switch handoff, like Peyton Pritchard switches on a guy, uh, you know, Tatum or Brown or somebody is in the corner guarding a guy and immediately they they hand each other off. I'm like, man, this is a team that is just completely locked in and in sync with what they want to do. I mean, it's it was
1: one of the more impressive ones because there was one in the third quarter where it was exactly that. Pritchard, they set the screen. Pritchard switches on to KD. They're about to get the ball to KD. And Marcus Smart lifts up from the corner. And just, it's seamless, right? It's just right into it. And that does not happen easily. Like, that's a very complicated thing to do. Because if you screw that up, you're leaving Kevin Durant wide open. And (laughs) as bad as he's been (laughs) in this playoffs, you don't leave Kevin Durant wide open. And they've nailed it almost every time. But not being able to attack him and things like that, or put him in situations where, like, we're going to run this screen, but first, we're going to clear out Marcus Smart. And now, when you're setting the the screen, you know, now, good luck trying to scram switch. Because at least, even if you do, Marcus has got a long way to go to catch up to Pritchard to make that switch happen. this is
0: KD or Kyrie, two of the best shooters in the league. Like, these are tough decisions you have to make. But again, they're not... There's just no continuity. There's no any of that and that's why they're going down um the team that nobody wanted to face um is down to can real. I
1: touch on that because that <laughs> was kind of silly like listen I was afraid of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving by the way if I was a video guy for any of the teams I was playing for it would have given me another migraine
0: like yeah. <laughs> just the stress
1: of it but we really did kind of overplay it because it's just like I, I kind of was just saying they're not stopping anybody you know, like this is the only team I thought that should have a concern against Brooklyn was maybe Miami. Just because I felt like they have opportunities where they'll be able to attack guys. You know, you're going to put Hero on the court for large minutes and things like that. They'll be able to attack and go at him. And by the way, I wasn't convinced Miami would lose to him, but it right. would have been a, a, a tougher series. I wasn't sure if Miami could keep up offensively with them. You look at Boston besides Pritchard, where's the weak point? Right. And, and Pritchard's playing limited minutes. You know, you're not there. There aren't a lot of weak areas on them defensively. And n- almost none of those guys take anything off the table offensively. And I think that's the challenge. And it was, it was just funny to me when everybody's like, this is the team. Nobody should want to play. I'm like, ah, you guys should just go ahead and do your thing.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I saw people making snarky comments about the Bucs. And it's like, oh, you avoided Brooklyn, and now look, a guy's hurt, and 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 you know the Bulls won a game because Caruso was dominant. And it was like, uh, and then now, it's three, Go, <laughs> go look at what they just did to Chicago in Chicago. It's, it's like it's three one. A, I think, I, yeah, it's fine. Was um, it even close at any point? Like maybe no, the, it felt like it
2: was ten zero at the tip. Like <laughs> they smoked them. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's three p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for $5 chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident. It was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
1: just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
0: But I do want to spin it forward with both teams. I think the East is shaping up really nicely for Boston right now. They got Time Lord back all of their core guys are relatively healthy um they just got a great test in round 1 um of what their defensive metal is they're they're sitting pretty nice right now um going forward in the Eastern Conference playoffs but Brooklyn got some they got some choices to make <laughs> this offseason man and uh Kyrie Irving is going to demand a max deal. And, you know, you've sort of, you got to dance with the devil here because this is what you signed up for when you brought KD and Kyrie in. Um, What are they doing in the (laughs) offseason?
1: I I haven't taken a look at their full-on cap situation, but one, they're re-signing Kyrie because here's the the thing that everybody who always like, oh, just let him walk. You don't understand the cap then. You let him walk. Doesn't mean you get to replace him with a max player, yeah, right? Like you're over the cap. That just means that's you let him go for nothing, and you have nothing to show for it. And now it's KD and guys, you know, and 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 who knows what you get from Ben Simmons? I'm I know you're not a Ben Simmons guy. I'm I'm a little higher on Ben Simmons. I should actually say a lot higher because you're so low on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but the the I think what he can bring to them defensively. I think what he can do. You know, as sort of a short role guy, kind of like a, a, a Draymond, a bigger Draymond Green for them on the offensive end will really open things up for them a lot and, and things like that. I think getting time on the court th- together is important. The thing they got to get in the offseason is they got to find wings. Mm-hmm. They got to go find the, the and I don't know if they have where they could find them and things like that. I like Kessler Edwards. He still got a ways to go. This was his rookie year. Wasn't quite ready for anything. You know, you got to go find the Robert Covingtons. You know, you got to go find those guys to get them to come into your your roster so that you can start having wing depth because that's mm-hmm. what they're missing there. Because here's the
0: thing: Katie's a good defender; he really is. He can't do what is being asked of Tatum this This is just—he's—he's thirty he's something years old. Like, I get it; he's still a great player, but he can't be asked to 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 do that. That's wild. It's wild,
1: right? Yeah. He's playing forty something minutes. He's dealing with. Every defender the Celtics have had, right? Every time he turns, it's another dude in green, you know, unless they're wearing their ridiculous black jerseys. Boston, please boot the black jerseys. Um, But you're dealing with all of those constant attacks. You can't ask him to have to carry the offensive load and that heavy of a defensive load. Make it a little bit easier for him. You know, that's kind of what you got to do there. At least there are possessions where Tatum can switch off Katie for a little bit. And get a breather on a defensive possession. There aren't any for KD. And I think the big thing is they got to find wings. I actually kind of like what Dragic does for them off the bench. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a new home for Patty Mills. Mm. But I think that's going to be the stuff they got to start finding. They got to get some wings in there. They got to find the the 6'5", 6'6", guys that can play defense. Even if they can't shoot a lick. They need to find a guy that can play some defense. Because... Katie will survive if you had a non, two non-shooters on the court, which is probably what would happen with Ben Simmons and if you have another wing there. But if they can get stops on the other end, it'll go a long way for them.
0: Yeah, so Kyrie's coming back, y'all. Um, he's probably going to get the five-year... I would put I would put provisions in there
1: if I were the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> I would just have discussions there of like, listen, man, we got to talk about some of this stuff because yeah, yeah. this year it was the vaccine. Okay, whatever your opinions year are, your opinions.
0: Yeah, before he took off because of January six, y- He know, was so, just so disturbed by the attempted coup, he, he couldn't go to work, Mo. Yeah,
1: no, so you have, I mean, like, so whatever next year's is, we need to have provisions here to protect us <laughs> a little bit. And I think that should be the conversation there. So it's, if we're going to give you the max, we need provisions. We're not going to have provisions. We shouldn't have to give you the max. And I think that should be a conversation
0: there. Um, Absolutely. I'm glad I don't
1: have to have those. <laughs>
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's move on to the series that I'm basically most fascinated by, and that's Grizzlies Timberwolves. And yesterday, the Timberwolves basically again controlled this game for the most part, and then the fuckery started happening again, Mo. And honestly, watching both of these teams reminds me of my kitten, Mimi. Like I marvel. <laughs> I marvel at her athleticism. Like, sometimes she'll just be darting around the room, jumping on stuff. I'm like, damn, you can reach that, all of that. And then every now and again, she wedges herself between my door and screen door and gets stuck and starts looking at me like, oh, can you help me? Right? Like, and she just does some of the most boneheaded things imaginable, right? But she's a kitten, she's young. You understand? But it's like, it's both of those things. Like, I marvel at how just... Highly skilled, these these young dudes are merged with their athleticism. Like these guys, like some of the reads that Ja makes on a night-to-night basis is it it, it blows me away. The spaces he's fitting some of these passes into, like basically looking looking guys open, right? Like he's looking in a direction because he knows the defense is going to shade, and he knows that it's going to be a pocket for his guy. Like it's just some high-level stuff. I know Anthony Edwards, every time he goes down, people like basically have a heart attack. Uh, but yeah, they controlled this game and then things got tightened by a miracle. They were able to pull it out. What did you see yesterday, Mo? I think
1: this is a young, this is everything you said. It's a young team problem, especially in the playoffs. Build a big lead, <laughs> blow a big lead, yeah. right? And I'm still not quite over game three. <laughs> like I still like, don't understand. It, I it. I can't fully comprehend <laughs> blowing two twenty five point leads in a game and then and, and, and then losing. Now to the Wolves' credit, they come back I mean, yeah. and 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 do it again. Because I walked out of game three going, it's over. Yeah. Doing the Vince Carter, it's that's over. what Bill said.
0: But I I I just don't buy that Memphis is that much better than them.
1: They're they're not. And here's the things that that come to play with them. They are not a team that. Has a great half court offense, as great as nope. Jaws passing is, right? And they're doing a better job with some of the stuff in the half court, but they are a heavy transition team, a heavy offensive rebounding team. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, offensive rebounding can stick in the playoffs to a degree. Yeah. The transition defense, the transition tends to change a little bit, yep. right? Everybody kind of backs off a little bit. And then some of the interesting stats wise that I saw that I, when I'm, you know, looking from at my stuff is like, Jaw at the rim is struggling massively, Mm. right? Regular season shot sixty six percent at the rim. This is according to cleaning the glass. This season, forty or excuse me, this playoffs forty seven percent. That's all. That's a damn near twenty point drop. Yep, that's the series. Yeah, right there. That's it. If if he can fix that and get that up to about like fifty five, that's going to change things for the wolves. But that's kind of. The, the, excuse me, change things for, for Memphis and the Wolves because the Wolves have to deal with them. But you have the issue of that's something they got to find a way to get job, more open opportunities in there. And some of that's transition. Some of that is kind of clearing this the lane out a bit, but it's getting hard there in watching Memphis. And I'm with you. Memphis isn't that far ahead of Minnesota. You know, the way we, people talked about Minnesota going into the series and everybody was having fun with them celebrating and all that stuff. <laughs> but, you know, look, like, uh, this is a team that matches up really well, and as long as Cat doesn't lose his mind every time a foul is called on him and can stay engaged in the
0: game, they're going to be in it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, got to talk about the Carl Towns of it all because God knows I savaged the guy after what he did, what he was doing in Game 3 with the ridiculous fouls and just, like, his inability to, like, Impose his will on a game where he's, you know, you're supposed to be one of the best players in the league. Like your presence should be felt every single game. Even if, okay, let's just say you go three of 11 from three. You need to be getting 11 threes up, though, right? Like you're the best shooting big in the history of, like, you need to be imposing your will and what your strengths are on every single game. Um, and obviously, he didn't do that in game three, but I thought he came back strong. And the, the key number to me is get to the line 17 times. Like, that's, that's somebody who's imposing his will on a defense, on a team that, like, yeah, Steven Adams is a big dude, but he's a terrible matchup for Towns because um, Towns wants to bring you out and draw you out and can take you off the dribble. But, like, as much as we love Jaron Jackson's defense, his sort of mobility and shiftiness and his quasi rim protection, he's not that big. He can be moved. Carl Towns can can put his body on him. And I thought, you know, and the same thing for um, Brandon Clark. You know, um, it, these guys are not huge. Like, Carl Towns should be drawing doubles and triples every time he gets it anywhere near the basket. And, you know, making good passes. So, I'm happy Carl Towns was able to get off the Schneid Um I just love that Anthony Edwards just, like, isn't phased by anything. For better or for worse at times. But, like, he just doesn't care. Like, he's like, I'm getting my shots up. I'm getting to the rack. I'm getting up off the—I don't care.
1: Before we get to the Edwards thing, the thing about Towns and, and and really the Grizzlies and him going to the line 17 times, I don't know if you saw the Taylor Jenkins— rant after the game. I did not. He he called it like the worst officiated game he's ever seen. (laughs) Everything would, it was a take that for data rant. And we can argue because they shot 40 free throws or whatever. Let's just be honest here about some of the the Grizzlies defenders. They're all freaking foul prone.
0: (laughs) Right? Like he can complain
1: about like, hey, they damn near fouled out our guys. Yeah, because your guys are fouling constantly. Jaron Jackson Jr. fouls a he's ton. A, he's he's a foul artist. He's a hack, bro. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks fouls all the time. Like it's so it's, handsy. We're not. I mean, you can't be upset with that. You know, that's yeah. kind of the 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 way you look at it. So yeah, they shot a ton of free throws because you guys kept fouling them, and that's a big issue there for the the Grizzlies defensively to figure it out. Because like, hey. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. has a chance to be a defensive player of the year in the league at some mm-hmm. point. Big key to that, you got to be on the fouling. freaking floor. Yeah. yeah. So you're mm-hmm. so you're on the floor. You can't finish games with five fouls consistently, right? Like let's yeah. have a few. You got to be down there to the three foul mark in that instance. I think that's the massive issue for the Grizzlies there. And it just was after the, we're done here, go go listen to the uh, I'm Taylor Jacobs I'm gonna rant. enjoy it, it, um, it was, I needed him to end it with a take that for dad or it. Now just let's just go. <laughs> And I have a theory. Anytime you start complaining as the coach about that... You're feeling it. Uh, series is almost over. Yeah, at, at, you're at feeling two, it. 2-2, two, two, you're right there now.
0: Yeah. Um. Again, look, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but, you know, Memphis contingent has been on me all year because I made a flippant remark about Jod. Ja, it was basically John ja and the Pips. I was wrong about that. They Their guys are better than just guys, 100%. However... You know, you're seeing it in this series against Minnesota, like, you need more than one dude that has juice on the ball, meaning draws double teams, sucks defenses in, punctures defenses, and therefore you can spray it out and attack, sto- and attack those lapses. They don't have that. Like, as much as we love Triple J offensively, he spaces for you, which is nice. Occasionally he finishes. He ain't nobody's creator. You know, Bain has a little bit of juice on the ball, but really, he's just a finisher of Jaws um possessions, right? Like of Jaws usage. He's the finisher of that. And same for Dylan Brooks. Like these guys aren't that. Uh and I think against a team like Minnesota, they can eventually cobble enough together where it's gonna be fine, but they play Golden State in the next round.
1: Oh no, no, don't don't even that's they're going to get em- they're going to get embarrassed it's not i'm, I'm sorry telling you.
0: I, it's not I'm even trying telling you
1: <laughs> what you just said is such a key thing right you take ja out, and then the play creator creation goes to desmond bain goes to dylan brooks and this is in the starting lineup right and then you know jaron jackson jr is not a play creator they're not going to use him as that and then you're going to bring tyus joneson who i think is by the way i like the, him he's the best backup point guard in the nba this season like i don't mm-hmm. think that's close that ain't replacing Ja and the (laughs) playmaking there, right? Like this is a team that the league is becoming more and more. You need to have multiple ball handlers. This Mm -hmm. this league is getting away from heliocentric basketball. And thank God that might be something (laughs) you could use at the end of games, but you need a guy to be able to kick it out to just look at what's going on in Dallas, right? They're able to, uh, Luca's able to kick it to Jalen Brunson, who's been unbelievable he's able to kick it to Spencer Dinwiddie which let's be honest none of us were expecting when he got traded there that he'd be this good there but now they have two other ball handlers on top of probably the best and Luca right Mm -hmm. and it's and it's yes it's a massive drop off between Luca to those guys but it's not the same drop off as it is from Ja to the other guys and I think that's the issue there and that's what Memphis is going to have to start looking for going forward there with some of the the talent that they have, they might have to make a two-for-one type trade to bring in a guy.
0: And yeah, and again, like, the reason why I thought it was smart for Mo to bring up how effective Memphis has been in transition all regular season long is because, you know, traditionally, that's an indicator of a team that might have a drop-off in the playoffs. Because everybody gets back on defense, everybody's keyed into their matchups um, in the playoffs in a way that most teams just aren't in the regular season. And when it re- redounds to Ja, as the be-all and end-all of offensive creation, that's where you get into some trouble. It's not just, look, he struggled with his shot yesterday, and you mentioned that he needs to do better finishing at the cup. It's a big, it's a heavy lift. Yeah. Even against Minnesota, who aren't like, they're not Boston, right? <laughs> they're decent enough. But it's still, even against a defense of that caliber, it's a heavy lift. Now, you go ask them to do it against the experts, people who have their doctoral degrees in defense in Golden State. And, like, this guy's supposed to be asked to do that possession after possession. I, you know, I, I think that's, that's tough. And I think, look, they're in a dogfight, man. This thing is going to be tough to finish off Minnesota. <laughs> the, the,
1: the best part about this was I want this to be the development of a new rivalry. Yeah. Like, I think rivalries are developed in the playoffs. Some people argue with me of, like, oh, it's regional. No, it's not. I lived yeah. in LA. We think it's gonna be a Clipper Laker rivalry. That's <laughs> never gonna be the rivalry. All right. No. When I it, when I was younger, it was laker San Antonio. Yeah. Right. And, like and just, that was
0: uh, uh Portland. You Portland. Know?
1: <laughs> and it was all because of playoffs. Yeah. This is what I want it to be. Let this be this this was my hope. I said, hey, I didn't right by the way, I got owned up. I didn't think Minnesota was going to beat the Clippers in the first game. Mm. They did. And so now I'm like, let this be a rivalry. Like, I learned my lesson. Let this become something there. Let Ja and Anthony Edwards have battles all through the years right now, going back and forth. I want this. Like, we need these things. And I hope this is the start of it. And I need it to go seven just to make that happen.
0: So I'm going to put you on a spot here, Mo. Uh, Who do you got taking the series? Do you have the stones to pick Ant Edwards and the boys? I mean, I
1: have to find out what are the plans of the protesters, because the Wolves are 3-0 whenever there's a protester, and I'm just curious if I can get a little heads up. But um, I like that you also positioned it in a way of, like, I'm gutless if I go another route. Thank you, Waz, for for putting me in that situation. Um, um, but yes, I am the gutless wonder. I'm still going with, with Memphis. And the main reason why, more importantly than anything else, is I don't trust Cat. Yeah, I don't trust him to stay smart. I don't mm. trust him to make the right decisions. He's fouling ridiculously. There was a foul, I think it was in game two, where he's shooting a three, and to try to get the foul, he kicks his leg out, and it turns into an offensive foul, and he acts shocked. <laughs> like, bro, what are you talking about? You were trying to draw a foul, and... Just play it was ball, a, man. It's the right call, you know? And I think there's just a level of that stuff I'm a little bit concerned mm. about. And then I think if this goes seven the game being in Memphis and having had to play a game. Uh, sorry, not play. I didn't play. I was a video coordinator. Having to have to go to Memphis for a game seven. Right. That is a very, very intense place to play, especially mm. in that environment. Now, granted, we won, but we were veterans.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, we had Chris Paul. We had our guys going in that, in that environment. I don't think these guys, I think even Edwards, who's never shaken. Honestly, the dude is unbelievable in that, like, if I could find a way to be as chill as him just for 10 minutes in my life, that's an accomplishment. But, like, I think even that could shake him because that's a wild environment. So, I think just game seven, I got to go with Memphis.
0: All right. I love it. Mo, man, thank you for coming on the show today. Tell the people where they can find you, brother. Okay. This is going to be a little bit of a long list. So, everybody brace yourselves. Okay.
1: (laughs) And and thank you for having me, Waz. Of course. Uh, you can find my writing on Bleacher Report. I podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm there a bunch of times. Just go follow the feed and you'll, you'll see my name pop up. I'm on Twitter, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. I'm constantly tweeting out videos of games and things like that, as well as the One More Thing video segment. You can find me on Twitch. I'm doing post game shows most nights and, and really breaking down games, like just talking basketball. We, we have fun. We talk about the drama and some of that stuff as well, but we're going to get into the really kind of nerdy stuff, which is what Nerd I used to alert! do. There we go. You know, you could do the Homer Simpson, you know, just yelling nerds in the car. That's me.
0: But you could find me at all those places and, uh, who knows where else I pop up. All right, fire. Um, Yeah, man, make sure you guys stay with the Ringers NBA coverage, NBA playoff coverage. Obviously us, the mismatch, uh, Real One. You know the vibes, man. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. I'll be seeing you guys on Wednesday with group chat. Uh, We're out of here. Peace. Peace.